0: Welcome back to the Write It Down podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Murata, bringing you one-on-one interviews to challenge, inspire, and encourage. Today, we have a very special guest, associate pastor of Coastline Community Church, Anthony Rick, and he's the author of The Handbook. Anthony and I have never met before this, but we run in very similar circles here in Brevard County, and I saw his book on Instagram, and I was like, ooh, that sounds interesting. I purchased it, and I haven't been able to put it down. And if you know me, I don't read very well or very often. So I am super, super grateful he decided to come on here and share a little bit of his testimony and also share about how we can believe we're God's favorite. You know what to do. Sit back, relax, and get your pens ready because this is Write It Down. Well, welcome back to the Write Sound podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Murata. Um, today, we have a very special guest, um, associate pastor of Coastline Community Church and author of The Handbook, Anthony Rick. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Hey, honored and really, really glad to join you today. This is awesome.
0: So it's kind of funny, but this is our first time meeting, but I've heard good things about you. Just we have similar circle overlaps in this small town in Brevard County. Um, And so I've been following along your journey um, just through my podcast and stuff like that. And I saw that you wrote The Handbook, and this is one of the greatest books I've read. It's super encouraging, super hopeful. Um, I don't want to take the entire time talking and hyping it up because I would love to chat with you. Obviously, that's why I have you on here. But one of my favorite things about the book, um, and for those of you listening, you need to get your hands on it, uh, The Handbook is like how you much do. you use scripture <laughs> and how yeah. much you back up your, um, just the moments in your life and the little whispers of God and just the um, testimonies. And then almost immediate immediately after you put scripture in there, which is super, super helpful and makes scripture come to life. So Anthony, I'm super excited. Um, it's an honor to host you. Um, I do want to ask, where were you and what were you doing when you had the idea or the God idea to write this book?
1: Wow. Um, I'll try to answer this in the most concise way, but um, (laughs) over five years ago is when I kind of got the inspiration, but that wasn't a moment where I was like, I'm writing a book about this. Uh, It was more just for me, like between me and God, um, based out of Isaiah 41, just talking about how it's his righteous right hand upholding us, so -hmm. we shouldn't be afraid. Uh, and then a couple of verses later, it says he's going to take hold of our right hand. So that ministered to me. Um, and I saw things in ways that I never saw before, because that's initiating something deeply beautiful. I, it's it's one of, if not the only verse that I'm aware of that, um, that shows the exact hand of us that he's grabbing. Um, it's this, It specifies right hand. And so when you're right hand to right hand with somebody, it's a face-to-face interaction. And so that's kind of what sent me on this journey um, and ultimately inspired the book. But uh, it wasn't until maybe about two and a half years ago that I kind of felt that nudge of, OK, I need to start writing this because um, for about five years, I saw the right hand everywhere. So yeah. through uh, scripture, obviously, and in, in movies or in song lyrics or through art or just through daily life, I just saw all these references to the hand of God or the right hand. So I started uh, keeping a running note on my phone and I've, I've still got a folder in here that has over a thousand notes uh, that reference the the hand or the right hand. So that's when I knew I needed to start um, writing it down. Oh, and, I and love it.
0: This. I love it. Well, and now that I know you have a thousand notes on this, I can't wait for part two because I'm like, and I need to get my hands on your wife's book. I was looking into that a little bit yeah. too. Um, my Former roommate Maddie Palmer, shout out to Maddie. She's been a good friend of mine forever. She had the book, and um, so you guys have definitely ministered to a lot of people. And even if you've never met, you know the people that are reading this book, I know it's it's touching their lives. So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, the right hand and the importance of it being God's right hand, and even more so our right hand?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, those verses that's Isaiah forty one ten, talking mm-hmm. about God's right hand upholding us. Uh, And Isaiah 41, 13 says he's going to take hold of our right hand. And really what I got out of that was this wasn't just some, you know, la-di-da, hand-in-hand passive thing. It was a very intentional thing that God is initiating with people. Uh, He not only wants to uphold us, but he wants to grab hold of our right hand and um, and initiate a face-to-face interaction And so I think that that gives us um, kind of a glimpse into the character and nature of God uh, that he actually wants fellowship and relationship and friendship with people. He's not far off. He's not untouchable. He's not so distant that you could never truly get to know him. No, he's initiating something to where he is inviting you into relationship. And so that's kind of what I explore in the book each chapter kind of looks at a, a certain um aspect, if you will, of, of God and what we're invited into.
0: Yeah, I love that. And in a portion of your book, you you discussed, and I'm obviously paraphrasing, but you know, if it was God's right hand grabbing our left hand, you know, we would be like side by side. Um and maybe not even side by side but i know me i would be like being dragged behind because i'm always a good few yes. steps behind god and you know sure. i'd be like dragging through the mud and what i love about that picture is it's it's you know unless you're left-handed or ambidextrous um your right hand is your dominant hand and so there's a level mm. of of dominance from the lord coming on to what we think is strong which is our right hand but really it's yeah. weak And I was watching um, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, I'm about to go to New Zealand and I'm going to do the Hobbit tour and all that. So my roommate and I are binging it. And there was a point and I don't want to ruin the movie, but it came out in like 04. So if I'm ruining this, then you guys are way behind. But when um, Frodo is wearing the ring and Gollum attacks him and, you know, he's at this point, Frodo's invisible, but Gollum bites his finger off. And he is super duper weak, but Frodo falls off the cliff and Sam is holding out his hand and it's that right hand. Both of them are their right hands. And it's this just come on, just reach a little further, just reach a little further. But Sam reaches a little further down. And it's that great picture of of our of our Messiah who who did that for us. You know, Frodo's got a, one less finger he's dangling over the fire, literal fire. He was just attacked by his enemy and, and Sam, his faithful friend, God bless him is, is there extending a hand to him. And that picture is exactly what you see on the front of your book and, um, how God's hand is reaching towards us. And it, it brings that intimacy and also it, um, it negates the shame, right? Because he's looking at us eye to eye when it's that right hand to right hand. So I love that. I love the posture um, of your heart and the way that um, the Lord is speaking through you in this book. So tell us a little bit about um, your journey into becoming a pastor. Um, I imagine you allude to it in the book that that wasn't necessarily what you grew up thinking you were going to be doing. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, first, uh, got to backtrack just for a second. I love that you mentioned Lord of the Rings. Um, yes. I've been reading the full book to my kids because it's like a rule in the house. You can't watch the movie until you've read the book. Good, um, good so we did, that with the Hobbit. Uh, we did that with The Hobbit. That was cool. And then we're reading through Lord of the Rings. So we just made it all the way up, up to Two Towers. So we were able to watch the first movie this weekend, actually. Oh, so okay. that's fresh
0: snap we're bringing them back we're bringing favorites. back yeah. the franchise <laughs> we're awakening it here it's good. <laughs> it's
1: So and good. I'm very jealous that you're gonna do the hobbit tour like I know. my son and I were talking about that we were like oh we gotta go there so I'll i can't send wait you, to see you guys
0: the deets that. afterwards i'll send you the itinerary it's 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 gonna be yeah. super awesome um but yeah. yeah so amazing love lord of the rings i'm glad to bring it back but you were saying yeah, yeah. your I journey <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, speaking of journey. Um <laughs> so yeah, I, I wasn't expecting or planning um any of what I'm doing right now. But I also think that's just kind of how God rolls a lot of times. We think we know what's best for us or we think we know what we want, but then he sometimes just, you know, because he's so kind, he lets us experience what we think we want only for us to come to find that that's not actually what we want. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I did uh, Bible school and everything, but I uh, I really did that out of a place of I wasn't sure what to do out of high school. Like I felt yeah. like all of my friends when they graduated, they either had scholarships to college or they had a trade that they were going into. Whereas for me, like I was a musician um, and I was creative and I had you know some dreams and aspirations, but I didn't have direction. And so I figured, well. I'll give God a year of my life and and do Bible school and to see what happens. And uh, really, it was just through that, that um, he humbled me and made me realize uh, some some pretty crucial things, not only about him, but about myself. And through that obedience, um, he opened the door for me, uh, way long story short, opened the door for me to um, move to Los Angeles, uh, play drums and do some different things that I was passionate about. But it was in doing so that I realized, you know what? I thought this is what I wanted, but it's not really yeah. what I want. Right. Um, and then he opened the door for me to move here to Florida and uh, be a youth pastor at the time. That was in 2009. And uh, so did the youth pastor thing. I was terrified. Uh, I was afraid to talk in front of people. I had no problem playing drums, but I was afraid to talk. And youth is scary. Of- yeah, Youth kids exactly. are terrifying. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. And you know but what's so funny about this uh, is that when we first came here, the church was really young. And so youth group was in my living room. And so it was only wow. like a handful of kids, and then a couple of other you know, youth leaders and adults that were helping my wife and I. Uh, but even so, even in that setting, I pushed the teaching off to my wife because she's a teacher. She's really good at that. And so I was like, you know, I can be the fun guy. I can do the games and yeah. let her do the teaching. Um, but the Lord really, you know, through my pastor and through his leadership, um, the Lord kind of put that, that healthy demand on me of, you know what, like I've called you to do this. So you need to to step out in faith and do it. And as I began to do that, I realized that I actually really love teaching. Yeah. (laughs) And so then as that grew and everything, um, you know, all the way up to the role that I'm in now, um, and my goodness, like even just writing a book, like I would have never imagined, you know, in a million years that I would be. Uh, a pastor, that I would be an author, like that was so far beyond anything that I even wanted. But now that I'm I'm doing what I'm doing, I'm realizing um, God has me exactly where he wants me and I'm more fulfilled than I've ever been in my entire life. So
0: (laughs) I love that. And I love the way that you talk about um, the Lord guiding you and like the open doors and obedience, because it actually kind of leads me into another question I have. But just to kind of echo what you're saying is, Um, the fact that the Lord is so kind to us and gentle with us. And it wasn't like, oh, your, your dreams to drum is stupid. It was like, no, like there's more. And I, I love that you have this desire, like let's explore it together. But ultimately I'm going to lead you to where like, I see you and the vision I have for your life. And just because you didn't have that vision in that moment, doesn't mean that wasn't a desire that was deep within you that you didn't know about yet. And so what I love about God being our father is you think about an earthly father, you have three kids and you love all your kids equally, but you also do different things with each kid, right? There might be one kid that loves to skate with you. You you might have one kid that loves to go get ice cream. You might have one kid that likes to, you know, have a Nerf gun war with you, right? So you do things with your kids that are personal and and relational with them in order to to foster something beautiful. And you might see something in your baby daughter that she doesn't see in herself yet. And that's the beauty of who our God is. And so one of the things that I really um, gravitate towards even when you're writing and just speaking with you um, just in this brief moments is I'm a big dreamer. And I have, I'm just excited about things. I'm like, I don't want to like live a just simple, you know, life like that just like literally terrifies me more than anything in this world. And so what I love about that is, is God knows how to handle that, but then God also knows how to, to handle my sister who's got three kids and she's homeschooling and she has a different, you know, life and season. And so I love that that's the God that we serve as he was like, okay, Anthony, I see, you know, the, the things that bring you joy and excitement, but I also see what's going to bring you a deep satisfaction and fulfillment that only I can do with you. And I love that about our God. And that's what leads me more um, into this question. Um, How does the way that we believe God views us shapes the way we do things?
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's that's crucial um, because uh, not only does it uh, fill you with courage, it makes you brave. um, It gives you permission to dream. You talked about dreaming. I heard this quote. I can't give credit to somebody because I can't remember who said it and I'll probably not even uh, nail it. But it went something like, the the level at which you dream shows the level at which you believe you're loved and so like if you really really believe mm-hmm. that god loves you and he sees you as a daughter or as a son as his beloved um that is the permission for you to dream crazy dreams and to 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 go for it you know so whenever you consider how god sees you um it's it's actually the permission you need to see yourself the right way too. Yeah. Um. A lot of times people shy away from this type of subject because they feel like it's uh it's selfish or prideful. But really, um, to believe anything less of yourself uh, isn't humbleness. It's pride because God says a, a better word about that. Yeah. So we actually need to believe what God says about us. Um. Because sometimes we can think, oh well, you know, I just want to stay humble, so I'm going to think less of myself. Well, you know, humility um, isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. So I need to be able to, again, see Anthony as, okay, I am a beloved son in the eyes of my father, God, and he has a plan for me. He loves me. He's patient towards me. He's kind. So that then releases me to step out in faith and just to go for it. Whatever is yeah. before me, whatever I feel he's called me to do, whatever dream he's put in my heart that encourages me because in, in that regard, I I can't lose because I'm God's favorite.
0: (laughs) Yep. Okay. And I love that. I actually have that in my notes on the back of your book, you know, it's, it has this little, you know, excerpt about the author and what to do. And it says um, that Anthony believes he's God's favorite and you should too. And I laugh because my godmother, she has, we're always like on the same page somehow. And I know it's the Lord, but Spiritually, like she's just on it. Like she'll be like, Hey, praying for you. And I'm like, How do you read my journals? Like, what's going on? And she always says that. She's like, I'm got she says that she's God's favorite. And she's like, Brooke, you're God's favorite too. So where do you feel like that has stemmed from? What season of life were you walking in where you really were like that shift in thinking? Because we don't like wake up, you know, born in this life going, I'm God's favorite. Normally we're like, I'm a failure. I suck, I'm depressed, I'm sad. We label ourselves with other things. So when did you start to kind of speak that over your life?
1: That's a great question. Um, I can't necessarily point to a specific time or season, but I know that I I, I feel like it was just through a series of events and seasons that the Lord has brought me through where I've seen his faithfulness towards me, again, his patience, his kindness towards me. Um, and I remember seasons in my life where I thought the opposite. I thought I was a scumbag, a dirty sinner, like, uh, you know, that I would never really amount to much, but God tolerates me. And yes. I see where that, took me. I see where that took me, which is nowhere good that's because subjective if I always theology like I'm yeah. Yeah. I'll never please God or I'll never measure up. If I live that way, then that's what I'm basing every decision off of. So it's like, well, of course, I'm going to mess up because I'm a mess up. But whenever I start to shift into, man, I am loved by God. That's my identity. Then I start to make decisions based off of that. And it actually calls me um, to live my life in a in a a more righteous way. It's not an effort thing and it's not a striving thing. It's a identity thing. And I know that if I'm loved by God um, and I'm God's beloved, then I'm going to make decisions based off of that yeah. because I want to honor him. And I, I know love that that's where I'm.
0: Yep. We're going to take a quick break to discuss Write It Down's brand new website. You can head over to widpod.com, W I D P O D.com, and see all the goods. You'll notice a banner at the top of the page that says Learn More. If you click that link, it'll show you how you can support Write It Down. P.S. My favorite part about the website is a wood wall, which is a collection of all the write it downs from the show. This podcast is made possible by the 1513 network. So show the network some love and support by listening to their other shows. If not, just stick with write it down because I'm the coolest, the realest, the illest. Now back to the show. And, you know, there, there is, I grew up in a Christian home and going to youth group and all these things. And somewhere along the way I picked up a theology that, I'm just this stinky flesh person that God had to do this great act of love for me. And it was just like, it was almost like, I guess I have to, and I don't, nobody like necessarily said that to me, but these are, you know, some things that I just picked up on. I'm sure there was some form of denomination sprinkled it. who knows, you know, but we're human and we're all, we're fallible. And the way we perceive things, it it can be cloudy. Sometimes I just got glasses for the first time at 27 years old, and I see so clear now with them. And I didn't even know that I was seeing things hazy. So sometimes that's the same thing in our faith. You know, we learn a new, new characteristic of God in a more tangible way instead of just reading about it. And it changes the way we view things and the way we do things. And so one thing that my friend told me in college, and I'll never forget it was God's happy. And I'm like, mm. I guess I never thought of God as being happy. I, I've thought of That's God cool. as being strong. I've thought of God as being, you know, disciplinary. I have thought of God as being, you know, loving, but like love disciplines. And I grew up in authoritative, like whatever, like I just do all these things in my brain. And she was like, no, he's happy. And wow. that changed things for me. Because if you're living life trying to make God happy when he's already happy, you're just going to be a hamster on a wheel. You know, if if you had like little toddlers playing in a playpen and you were like, hey, go have fun, you know. Scripture says boundary lines fall in pleasant places for us. So the boundary is already set for these kids. And if you saw these little kids in a little huddle, just like nervous because their parents are watching and nervous because, you know, they, they don't want to go play over there because you'd be like, go play, run along. Like, we're good. Like, you know, you're in a safe place with me watching over you as your father or as your mother or whatever. And so that really helps me. And knowing that like, you know, we've, I don't know if you've heard this taught before, but the difference between joy and happiness and people are like, you know, God's joyful, but happy, you know, and you're just like, okay, so what does that mean? What's joy and the different, and I would toil and play with that because I'm detailed like that, but it really like encouraged me to know that like Christ, it was the joy that was set before him, why he endured the cross and, you know, bared shame of the cross and that joy set before him was us. And yes, that's a exactly. wild thing to think about. It's not like, oh, yeah. the joy of this being over. Like he yeah. did it because the joy before him was us. And right. I think if we continue to to think, like like we are saying, if we continue to think that like God tolerates us at best, oh, we there's no wonder there's so many depressed Christians. There is no definitely. wonder because I've fallen into that category before. So it's it's definitely a the, the changing of your mind. And, you know, also I watched that little video your wife had on her, um, on her website about the difference between just like reading the words of God and then like knowing them and treasuring them and applying them. And, um, and I absolutely love that because we have to do the same thing when it comes to the thoughts we think when it's like, okay, you need to think on what's lovely and what's pure and what's, what's true. It's not just memorize that verse actually think about things that are lovely and pure and true what are those things and they don't necessarily have to be other scripture verses they could be other things about god about how he views us and and focusing that so i love that brings me to another question though about obedience that's a that's a kind of a heavy ish word actually it's a heavy word um so what would you say the difference is between genuinely obeying the things that god's you know said to you or has showed you, and then juxtapose that to God, just being a religious master puppeteer that wants us to do things because He said so. So how would you find right. that good, that good balance of the Lord?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, Jesus said, you know, if you love me, you'll, you'll obey my commands. Um, but we've got to remember the, uh, the instigator of our obedience is a love for Christ. So, um, you know, there's a quote somewhere in my book uh, by a guy named J.D. Greer. I think it's in chapter eight, Uh, but it says that fear based obedience turns into father loathing rebellion. So if we base our obedience off of fear of not being good enough or punishment, um, then we will ultimately end up rebelling against what he has said, because um, our motivation was not love. Our motivation was fear. Um, You know, the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. A lot of times we stop there, but the verse continues because fear has to do with punishment. So if we're basing our decisions off of being afraid of punishment, um, then we're we're ultimately going to just flounder anyways um, and never be fulfilled and then never have a good motivation for actually being obedient. Um, Ephesians chapter five says, that we should find out what pleases God and do those things. Um, So, you know, back to being a father and thinking about my kids, like it moves my heart when my kids don't just obey me, like they do what I tell them to do. No, it moves my heart when they do things for me or towards me because they just genuinely wanted to, like they knew that it would bless me. So it's not something that I said, hey, do this. It was something that they were like, no, because I love dad and dad loves me. I'm doing this. So that needs our motivation is uh, in obedience, because when we're in that, um, that's when we're being Christ-like because that's what Christ modeled. He was obedient to the father. And that obedience was not out of fear of his father. No, it was because he had such a connection with Abba that it that literally is what carried him through his physical time here on earth.
0: And that's what he modeled for us. Yeah, I love that. I love that it has more to do with our intimacy with the Lord. And then it goes back to, to how we think God views us. If we think that Mm -hmm. God is just trying, you know, something I'm being a little scattered in this moment, but something someone told me before was God doesn't need you to do anything. And I was Mm -hmm. like, no, yeah, he does. You know, like I need to obey him. I need it, whatever. And like, no, God doesn't need Brooke to go do something just because he can't get it done like he is inviting me into something with him because he loves me because you know when with your life god invited you and in, onto this adventure with him ultimately landing you into coastline and you didn't know that was there for you but it's not like this is the like you're the only person but he loves you <laughs> right And and that's not to negate your call or any, or my call or anything like that, but because he loves us, he invites us into something. And again, it shows us more of who he is. And so I love that because it also helped me shape certain things that I was doing because I'm a performer. I'm a doer. So I'm like, if God asked me to jump off that cliff, I'd do it. Like, I'd be like, let's go. Like, I'm not going to be the one to fail. Like, I'm not going to be the one to hold the group down, the church down. And so that really set me free when, when I was told, Hey Brooke, God doesn't need you. He wants you. He loves you. And he wants to do these things with you. But you're not, it's not like, okay, like I've mustered up enough strength to do whatever God tells me to do. And I'm going to live in perfect obedience because I'm a goody two-shoes. Like that gave me like a lot of freedom to like walk in that grace of, and it's not, again, we don't use our grace to like do whatever we want or to sin, but living in that grace and living in that freedom is, is a joy that we have. Um, I want to touch on the topic of, and if people haven't read it, but obviously you wrote it and I've read it um, this portion, but the difference between liberty and freedom, that was a really cool Mm. portion in your book that I read of the difference and why that's important in our walks with the Lord to know the difference.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Well, uh, you know, freedom is you've been set free from something. So, you know, in regards to our faith or salvation, we've been set free from sin. Uh, We need to realize that we've been set free from uh, the law. Um, And now we are called to live in liberty, which means now you are you are able to live unto the Lord. Like, like, um, for instance, you know, you think of freedom and liberty um, as synonyms a lot of times. And maybe you imagine uh, a lot of those, uh, uh, you know, things come to mind when it comes to like America, you know, freedom and liberty and all that. Um, But if you even just consider those words, you know, pertaining to our nation, Mm -hmm. um, liberty and justice for all Um, liberty means that you are free to move about, Um, you know, freedom means. Something had me captive, and now it doesn't anymore. And so, being able to, you know, um, live both of those out uh, is an amazing thing.
0: Right. So, not only are we free, we're free to roam about. We're free to to do the things that God has called us to. We're free to love people. We're free to um, enjoy. That's one thing that I feel like there's certain extremes in in life of, you know, we were given you know life and and good things on this earth as well and that doesn't mean they overshadow what's to come but they are they are a shadow of what's to come you know of of a perfect place and so while we're not living in perfection right now there are certain things in this world like relationships with others and you know music and reading and traveling and and good things you know good pleasures that the lord delights in giving his kids And I love that because that's that that's that liberty factor. Like we're free to do things to, to enjoy things. And we're not under, um, under the law. We're not under any heavy burdens or any yokes, which we don't even have to go into the Pharisees because they kept putting heavy yokes on, on people and making it harder to just live in that Liberty that the Lord has so graciously given us. Anthony, I could probably talk yeah. to you all day. I don't want to take all of your time. Um, we are getting closer to the end, but one thing I did want to ask you before we get to the rapid fire and our write it down is: what is one of your favorite qualities about the Lord?
1: Wow, <laughs> there's a lot. That's like, yeah, like I mean, that's why I wrote this book. You know, each he is he I know, is and I think it quality. does.
0: It does change each season. I for me, no, I mean, not my favorite, but definitely things I notice about him. Um but what would you say is like one of the top characteristics that you enjoy with God?
1: Oh man, that he's a father. Yeah. I mean, because that changes everything that's to me. I mean, it's probably my favorite chapter in the book too. um, But it changes everything when you realize that he's a perfect and good father towards you, it'll change the decisions you make. It'll change how you treat other people. It'll change how you see yourself. Like we talked about, Um, yeah, that's, that's probably my favorite. I mean, I'm sure again, season by season, maybe that'll change, but I feel like that's going to be the constant, like, yes, he's, you know, in the book, I talk about how he's a a warrior or a King or a bridegroom, all these things they're true, but I feel like the father aspect will continue through every season because I'll always be a father to my kids, no matter how old they are and no matter what they do, where they go. So same thing, like God will always be a father. He always has been and always will be a father at heart.
0: I love that so much. Okay. So we are at that point of the show where I'm going to ask you a few rapid fire questions before we get to our, write it down. First one is one place in the world you'd like to go with your wife without your
1: kids. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Hobbit place. So maybe that, um, <laughs> or, or these, maybe, Greece, maybe degrees there.
0: Yeah. I love that. Well, you can't go do the Hobbit tour with your wife and not bring your kids who are having to read these books per the Rick Law and the family. I can imagine that would not go over well. Um, okay. Xbox or PlayStation?
1: Nintendo. Nintendo. Okay. I like it.
0: If you had to go back in time, lava lamp or waterbed?
1: Um, uh, Lava lamp.
0: I know. I had a lava lamp too. I had a bright pink one. Okay. Converse or Vans? Vans. Vans all the way. Skate or surf?
1: Uh, Surf. I'm not good at either, but (laughs) but, um, surfing just seems more appealing. And you land in the water. when
0: Exactly. If you fall, (laughs) it's going to be in the water. Absolutely. All right, Anthony, we're at that point of the show where I ask each guest to give the audience something to write down. So what is your write it down?
1: So I will say this in the notes you sent me, this was the hardest part because I've never been a one-liner person. I've never been a catchphrase person like our pastor here. His is and has always been, if you don't quit, you can't lose. Like, I'm jealous because of that. It's like, that's so good. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, like the theme of my life has been that God has delivered me from fear and anxiety. Um, Psalm 27, one, the Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So I feel like because of that truth, if I had to choose um, a write it down, it would be what is fear holding you back from?
0: Mm, I love that. Write it down, Anthony, Rick. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you. This is awesome.
0: Thank you for listening to the Write It Down podcast. This podcast is a part of the 1513 Network. You can catch a variety of shows on their website, 1513.com. If you enjoy listening to Write It Down, please subscribe, share with your friends, and if there's any ink left in your pen, write a review. For more content, follow the fun on Instagram by following at W-I-D-P-O-D. That spells WIDPOD. Super cool stands for write it down podcast but it's abbreviated to wood pod anyways thanks for listening and we will catch you later